A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. Here we are, ladies and gentlemen. We have arrived at the end of yet another week in the dangerous world of coronavirus and its recovery uh, therefrom. And here are some brief statistics. The virus is making headway in South Africa, where the number of cases has ramped up significantly. Brazil is also in the spotlight as the authorities there struggle uh, to contain its rapid spread. Meanwhile, there are still problems in several states of the USA. And France is now reporting a surge in cases over the past few days. We told you yesterday that Spain might be closing down. You've just heard in the news that Portugal might be opening up. Back home in this country today is the day that we are all supposedly forced to wear face coverings when we go to the shops. So far, shops, and indeed the police, however, are suggesting they won't be insisting on it. So we need to get your observations, your experiences, and your thoughts today. Have you been to the shops? Are you complying with the compulsory measures? Or is everyone simply ignoring it all? What we're hearing in the first instance today is that it's all a bit chaotic out there. Some people who are not wearing masks are getting sort of frowned at by some people. Other people who are wearing masks are being laughed at by some other people. And generally speaking, the word compulsory appears to have got a new meaning, i.e. not compulsory at all. 0344 499 1000 is the number. Let's face it, this is not the end of the Magna Carta. This is not the end of your personal freedom. Just because you have to wear a mask for 10 minutes to go and buy a couple of Kit Kats, it's not going to be a problem, is it? For heaven's sake! Get a grip, people. Coming up later on, we'll find out why Meghan and Harry have decided to hurl themselves at yet another lawsuit, claiming their privacy has been invaded by the paparazzi with drones. I'll give you a little clue, guys. Meghan and Harry, if you wanted to stay out of the limelight, you should have gone and lived in Idaho, or Montana, or Alberta, or maybe even Vancouver Island, where you moved from to Beverly Hills. Harry, Harry... They're taking pictures of Archie, who doesn't have any friends. For God's sake, has the world gone completely mad? Also, we'll be discussing uh, retail sales figures. Apparently, they've bounced back in June. Uh, and, of course, uh, that was what all the doom mongers said wouldn't happen. And also, apparently, we're going to be banned from watching any junk food ads until after the watershed, because, obviously, we can't handle being uh, shown a picture of a Big Mac for fear of having to go out immediately and buy one. 0344 499 It's Friday, so we'll be bringing you yet another sparkling edition of the Perrier Awards uh, with producer Marta Malagon uh, from Catalonia. She'll be giving me a whole series of awards, I'm hoping. Uh, plus, uh, we enjoyed our virtual tour of Venice so much yesterday with Simon Calder that we are checking in with him again uh, as he wanders around uh, lonely as a cloud 
in Tuscany. Uh, you're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on the fastest growing radio station on the planet. It is, of course, Talk Radio. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Now, there are some times in life when you think to yourself, is this all a bit of a storm in a teacup? Is this all really something that the media is whipping people up into a frenzy about when, in fact, it's not really that much of a big deal? Now, the whole mask debate has been going on now for quite some time. There are some people who feel as though wearing a mask or being made to wear a mask is in some way an an inflection uh, or an invasion of their freedoms. Somehow their liberty is being constrained because the government says it's not a bad idea to wear a mask. I very much sit in the sort of middle of the road on this, which I know is unusual for me as a polemicist and as a person who's supposed to have an opinion on everything. Uh, Basically, I don't mind wearing a mask if I go on the tube. I don't mind wearing a mask if I go on a train or on a bus. If somebody now says to me, you need to wear a mask in order to go into a shop, I don't really mind that either. I mean, surely you'd have to be stark staring bonkers mad to feel that this is somehow, uh, you know, the end of uh, civilization as we know it. And you're refusing to do it because you simply cannot stand it. Why people were like that? I just don't really get it. I have to say, let's talk to Dr. David Lloyd, GP at the Ridgeway Surgery, to find out uh, what he thinks of it. Because, of course, one of the things that the people who don't want to wear masks say all the time is that, in fact, it's not very good for you to wear a mask because it could actually make things worse. Dr. David, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Thanks very much for joining us. I don't know where where you are on this. You might be, um, um, uh, you know, maskist. uh, You may be pro-mask, anti-mask, you know, anti-vax, whatever. Um, I'm not sure this is as big of a deal as people are making it out to be. Well, I think it is a big deal in that I think I'm at the extreme end of the spectrum, I'm afraid. I think everybody should be wearing masks, especially when they're indoors, when they can't socially isolate. So going into shops, going on public transport, Absolutely, it should be that everybody wears a mask, and there should be very, very few exceptions. Well, why? Well, why is it taking this long then? Considering that we've been in lockdown since about the nineteenth of March, for this to be made compulsory, it's now July. That's above my pay grade. We were, (laughs) as as doctors, we were all saying that that should happen. The evidence is very strong. If you look at the countries in the the east of the world, if you look at what's going on in Hong Kong and China and, and South Korea, they wore masks from the very beginning. They have a culture. Of wearing masks anyway, and their transmission rates were much less than we have. So it really, there's a lot of evidence that if two people wear a mask, you're going to greatly reduce the chance of spreading between one person and another. If you've got one person wearing a mask, it helps a bit. But if you've got nobody wearing a mask, then there's all those droplets that are going to go around. And these horrific tales coming now about these viral droplets hanging around and floating for 10 minutes after they come out. I mean, I think there's lots of data that this virus is really very easy to catch. Yes. And so masks do help a lot. Well, there's lots of data that says it's easy to catch, but it doesn't appear to be that many people are catching it at the moment, and nobody's been wearing masks really for quite a long time. Well, that's because we've been socially distancing. We've done. We've been in lockdown, and it's been absolutely fantastic. I think this country should be provi- proud of what we've done over the last few weeks. You know, we were a bit slow getting going, but once we got going... We were doing it. Uh, but now the, the roads are full, the shops are full. As you said, sales are up. So everybody's out and mixing now. Well, not so really. We've really, got to, we've really got to stamp down on that virus spreading again. I mean, I've been, I've, been, I've, been going, I've been going to supermarkets, David, ever since the end of March. And yeah. supermarkets have always been pretty full. Some people have been wearing masks, some people haven't. Most people have been well behaved. But surely the, the, the point about the, uh, the droplets thing uh, is that we were told many weeks ago 
that if you wanted to catch this disease, you had to be close to somebody who had it and who was infectious for about 15 minutes. Most of us are not going to be near somebody for 15 minutes in a shop, are we? Well, as it's an evolving picture. I mean, you know, we don't, we don't understand this. This is a new virus. We've never seen this virus before. Uh, we're seeing what the death rates are all around the world. I think it is only sensible that everybody wears a mask. As you said, I mean, you know, you're a bloke with full of opinions and you're sitting on the fence. So basically, masks are a good thing. They're not difficult. Everybody can get them now. There are no shortages. Face coverings are easy to do. So please, everybody wear a mask and then we can at least try and stop this, this terrible fear that we've all got that there'll be a second surge or a, a rise in cases as the winter arrives uh, and the viruses start spreading as well. So we're, we're in for a double double worry this, this winter. Well, I find it quite interesting the way that it's, as you say, this new virus is kind of um, morphing from one week to the next, because we're hearing this morning, for example, that there's a few new outbreaks in France. Um, some of the beaches uh, are, are being looked upon as, as possibly having to be closed down. We're seeing Spain seeing uh, a bit of an increase in infections, not least because somebody brought it there from here to Lanzarote. Uh, in America, we're seeing an, an increase in South Africa, an increase. Um, but it seems to me that we're going to keep keep seeing these increases from time to time as kind of little mini spikes, if you like, um, yeah. just because of events that are possibly happening. But but wouldn't you have expected there to have been a mini spike here after all the marches in London and elsewhere and all the beaches that were very full of people at one point? Well, I, I, you're going to have to ask the epidemiologist that. I mean, the, the, Trump's rally in the, in the States seemed to have produced a surge there. Uh, I think when you've got big meetings like that, you're, you're almost guaranteed to spread the virus about. But at the moment, there is so little virus going around in most parts of the world. Here in Harrow, uh, we've got no coronavirus at all at right. the moment. So, so the chances of catching it are very, very low. And the problem with that, of course, is this, that we've got this new vaccine we're trying to test, and we can't test it properly because there's not enough virus in, the, in England to <laughs> test it. Well, so, I suppose that's a good so, problem to have. But what, what, what do you think about things like the kind of anomalies of the system, for example? And I know these are not medical anomalies. They're more like political anomalies, uh, where you've got these air bridges now, for example, so people can go away on holiday. They can come yeah. back from holiday. They don't have to yeah. quarantine. I mean, you know, obviously that could cause uh, a surge as well, couldn't it? Well, I think we've, we've always had a very idiosyncratic attitude to people arriving. The tests that were being done at the airports and things were were reported to be very little indeed mm. in this country. Whereas, you know, I've got patients who are going off to Dubai now. They're not allowed to go unless they've got a certificate saying that their COVID swab is negative. Right. So there, there are lots of different countries that are doing lots of different things. And we seem to be, at, again, at one end of a spectrum. We're very lazy fair about people coming back. But if you're going to Dubai or other countries in the East, they, they demand the swab. Yeah. But, I mean, I think it's partly because of the mixed messages that we've been I mean, Chris Whitty came out a couple of days ago and said basically that the peak of the virus had already passed when lockdown began, which uh, surprised quite a lot of people. And you say that doctors have always been saying wear masks, but not everybody um, in the General Medical Council even or in the medical uh, chief medical officer's office was saying that back in March. Yeah. Yes, I think that's right. I, I, but, but the evidence is, has been around from, from South Korea and China for years that masks are useful in flu epidemics, I mean, we haven't talked about the flu, but flu epidemics, masks are fantastically helpful. And uh, and so it can only be logical that the coronavirus, which is related to the flu, 
going to be stopped by Elon Musk as well. Yes. I mean, story on the front page of the Times today, you're right to bring it up. Flu jabs for half the population. Over 50s, pupils and the vulnerable will be protected. Um, there are those who say that will be a good thing for, for coronavirus as well. Others who say uh, it might actually be worse. Well, the, 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 the nightmare that we GPs have is that people are going to ring up in September, October, November and say, I've got a fever. Now, if, you, if you've got a fever, do you get tested for coronavirus? And the answer is you probably do, but you might have the flu. So if you reduce the level of flu in the community, put aside the issues about the, the risks of getting flu anyway, if you're in the elderly or in the at-risk groups, but if you reduce the actual number of people with fevers in the community, it just makes it slightly easier to sort out the COVID from the rest. Yes. Because, I mean, there have also been stories this, this year that the flu has kind of been put to one side, if you like. You know, there might have been some flu deaths in January. But by the time March came along, and the flu deaths kind of disappeared off the face of the earth and every other death was categorised as a COVID-19 death. Yes, I, 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 I've heard that. Uh, I think we had a, a good season, a good flu season last year. It wasn't a particularly bad one. But as you know, every year is different. And I've been at this for so long now, I can remember some really terrible years. <laughs> I was going to say, and, can and, you remember and, anything before coronavirus? Because it's, <laughs> yes, I mean, well, that is difficult. Yes, last, is I mean, last year, we used to, last year we used to say, you know, can you remember anything before the Brexit negotiations? Now it's, yeah. can you remember anything before coronavirus? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And how are, I mean, how are you finding it as a GP, uh, Dr. David, as far as the numbers of people coming in are concerned? Has it returned to a more normal kind of stream of, of patients who, who are coming in with all manner of different things? Yes. Uh, the, the tide turned about a fortnight ago. People have been very good in talking to us on the phone or on video and staying away from our surgeries, worried that they'd catch the coronavirus. Uh, and they take our advice largely, by and, by, 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 by and large, on the phone. But now people are getting fed up with talking to us, and they yeah. actually want to come in and see us and get us to put that, put our hands on them and just make sure that they're all right. Yes. Um, and and that's, that is the, that's the big change recently. Yeah. And as far as just to go back to once again to the sort of the government situation where they continue to say and do continue to say we're following the science, it must be difficult for you guys as doctors because the science has been changing from week to week and the kind of advice has been changing in some ways from week to week. Yes, it has. And, and the way that diseases are presented have changed week to week. We did a small audit on our deaths in the, the three height, the three months of, of COVID when it was at its peak. Normally, we, in our practice, we'd expect about 15 people to die that, in that time period. Mm. And in fact, 30 died, and those extra 15 were all COVID. Right. But we had no strokes, no heart attacks. I mean, the, the, the way that illnesses are presented, the way that people are going about means that all sorts of things have changed. People don't climb up trees or fall down and break their legs. Right. There's far fewer accidents. So the world is returning to normal, but now we've got to add in the constant worry about COVID on top yeah, of it. Yeah, no, sure. And, then, and think of those cancer waiting lists as well. That's that, that makes me lie awake at night. Yeah. People are not coming forward with their cancer symptoms, which means that they're joining a very long queue of people who've already got cancer right. who need treatment as well. And, and just finally, uh, Dr. David, as far as the coronavirus uh, precautions are concerned, and, and, and you uh, say that everybody should wear masks, it'll, it'll stop the spread uh, as best that we can. What about those who say, yes, it's all very well to say we have to um, wear a mask, but there's no need necessarily um, to worry so much about coronavirus because for the large bulk of the population, if you do get it, it's not going to be a terrible disease for you. 
Yes, but <laughs> there's always a but. The but is that because it's such a, you can you can transmit it so easily. Most of us have got a mother or a father or a relative with a disease that that puts them more at risk of getting complications from COVID. So the more illness you have, the more virus you've got circulating in the community and well people. And as you say, you know, my children are not going to suffer badly if they got it. Two of them have already had it and are fine. Yeah. Um, is that is that they will transmit it to someone who really is at risk. And there's this bizarre associations of the virus with special groups in our in our society. And we don't know what it is, but our but our BAME community in a very complicated way seem to be more at risk. Being a male, why does being a man make you die from COVID more often? I assume that was just I assume that was just something to I assume that was just something to do with us being to blame for everything. <laughs> or and I think that the big thing about the states, of course, is that they are amongst the fattest people in the world, and so obesity must be a huge issue mm. in the states. Yeah, interesting. Um, but I guess the bottom line for me really is: is yes, all of those things are true, and yes, it's possible that you might give it to somebody who would be vulnerable. However, um, you know, we need also to get the economy back, and we need also to get people working in central London and central Manchester and central Birmingham and places where yeah. nobody is at the moment. Um, yeah. So I just I, I worry slightly about the emphasis. Um, being a bit too much on the on the virus and not enough on the economy, and I know that may sound a bit heartless, but it's not meant to. No, and I, I, I share those feelings as well. Those that, those you know, Canary Wharf. I gather I haven't been there, but I gather Canary Wharf is a ghost town. Yeah, it, apparently so. Well, because all the big companies there who employ thousands of people uh, are literally employing only ten percent of them now currently in their office space. So, yeah. so there's no work for all the people that make the sandwiches, for all the people that run the coffee yeah. shops and the restaurants and the bars. Mm -hmm. They're not opening. I won't weep for the estate agents, but the rest, you know. Yeah, I know. I couldn't care less about the estate agents, but I mean, I certainly do care about the people who need to actually work in the hospitality business to yeah. make ends meet and to have a life oh. because, you know, that's all they have. Uh, two of my children are actors actors, and they, they've been they've no work at all. Right. I mean, and the stand-up comedian I've got as well. And they're, they're, their businesses are wrecked. Right. We have got to get people back in the theatre. You should have encouraged to them to become doctors. Then they would have been fine. <laughs> well, one of them is. I have a doctor. Yeah, ah, he's, okay. he's, he's all right. That's good. Dr. David Lloyd, brilliant. Great to talk to you. Thanks very much indeed. GP at the Ridgeway Surgery uh, giving us the lowdown on why uh, you should wear a mask. Listen, I am not going to be evangelical about this. I'm not going to tell you you must wear a mask. Equally, I'm not going to tell you you must not wear a mask. I think you do what you want to do. Lots of anecdotal evidence coming into me today uh, about way things are out there. Pete says, I went to my local Sainsbury's this morning for my weekly shop. The staff were actively encouraging the wearing of masks and all inside were wearing them. Uh, I'm just back from Tesco, says Charlton Kev. Everyone was wearing a covering of some description. 40 minutes wearing a mask, though, is a tad horrid. 40 minutes? What were you buying? You know, get quicker. Do it in 10. That's what I do. Go into a shop, buy what you want and leave. That's the way to do it. This is Talk Radio. Talk Radio. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Now, forgive me for jumping the gun slightly on this, but my suspicion is that Christopher Snowden, being a bit of a libertarian, will probably think that this ban on junk food ads before 9pm is a bit mad. Christopher, very good morning to you. Morning, Mike. How are you doing? I'm not so bad, thanks. Now, have I got this right? Are you uh, going to tell me that you think this is a bit of a, a mad move? Yeah, Yes, indeed. It's a, it's a terrible idea. It's not going to work. 
and it's going to be much more extensive than people think. Mm. I mean, you've described it there as a junk food ban. Every, all the media are describing it as a junk food ban. It's actually a ban on the advertising of HFSS food, which is high in sh- um, fat, sugar, or salt. Right. And that's more of a mouthful. So it's quite understandable the media just you know, shorten it down to junk food. But it's so different. I mm. mean, HFSS food includes pretty much everything, really, apart from fresh meat and vegetables and fruits. It right. includes things like mayonnaise, sausages, fish fingers, jam, honey, croissants, quiche, haggis. Right. I mean, there's a huge <laughs> list of things. So does that, mean, does that mean if we get one of those sort of Tesco ads where somebody's making something, um, they'll, they won't be able to use the ad if it's got mayonnaise in it? Yeah, that's a very good example, actually, because particularly when you get up to Christmas time, supermarkets tend to advertise a whole range yeah, of products, right. things that you're going to need for Christmas. And most of the stuff you need for Christmas is either high in fat or in sugar or in, in salt. Right. And Nigella's adverts wouldn't stand a chance. You know, anything, <laughs> of course, involving chocolate wouldn't stand a chance, but you kind of expect that. Perhaps. Yeah. What you don't expect is it to apply to butter and bacon, but it will do. So who's come up with this particular ban then? Is it the, uh, the is it the sort of advertising watchdog or who? No, it's it's the public health lobby again. You know, Public Health England have been pushing it quite hard. It's ironic, really. It's widely rumoured that Public Health England is for the chop because yeah. of its terrible uh, response to the coronavirus, and mm. yet it's getting this present in its in its final months. This is something it's it's always wanted to bring in. It's not being thought through. You know, um, I mean, the fact it's going to include all these food products. Kind of shows that it's not been thought through the public health lobby just come up with these ideas and think well maybe this will work maybe let's try it you know but you can't make policy like that this is going to cost commercial broadcasters about 200 million pounds yeah, a year right. that's going to mean, mean fewer programs poorer quality programs probably even fewer channels i yeah. suspect some of the smaller channels might go out of business so we can't just keep trying things in the hope that it might have some effect right. we kind of have pretty good evidence that it won't have an effect because if you remember back in 2008 um, the, the, well, the brown government, I guess, by then, um, banned all advertising for these products, so-called junk food, during any program that had a disproportionately large number of viewers under the age of 16. And as a result of that, and the fact that kids just don't watch as much television as they used to, right. exposure to these kind of adverts has fallen by about 70% since then. Well, this is Child the thing. I mean, Child and obesity has not fallen at all. No. That's the important point. Well, I mean, this is the thing. I mean, as, as you will know as well as I do, you know, if you walk into any supermarket or any sort of, you know, um, petrol station to pay for your petrol, you know, you are presented with a, a vast array of chocolate and crisps and bigger, ever bigger bags and, you know, sugary drinks and all of that. Surely if they actually are serious about making people not want to eat and drink this stuff, then they either have to put a larger tax on it uh, or they have to ban the display of it or something like they did with cigarettes. Well, let's not start giving them ideas. Um, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure <laughs> they'll come to that sooner or later. Oh, well, Boris has said he's not going to put the tax on there, hasn't he? Well, he said a lot of things. Um, for now, it doesn't look like he will do that. But he is looking to ban the display of things like crisps and, and sweets at the entrance and at the checkout and at the end of aisles right. in shops. Now, what effect that will have on things like petrol stations, I don't know. It's going to be extremely difficult, I would mm. thought, for small corner shops and so on. Yeah. Well, this is the thing that I find strange because Boris, um, amongst his many kind of rather strange contortions while he's been in power, uh, he's got this obsession with cycling, getting people fit, walking. You know, I mean, that's not really what we elected him to do. Um, No, indeed not. Um, But 
you know, it always seems to end the same way. Mm. You know, this is the fifth prime minister in a row who's had a bee in his bonnet about, uh, you know, micromanaging the lives of ordinary law-abiding citizens yeah. for their own good. And, you know, quite honestly, if a conservative majority with a pretty liberal leader like Boris, with a, a chief advisor who's anti-establishment and a majority of 80, if, if a government like that is going to bring in a raft of measures that even New Labour, you know, would have, not given serious thought mm. to then the game's up you know it doesn't really matter who you vote for um you're always going to get the political class pushing this nanny state stuff on you yeah it is ridiculous though isn't it because i mean there's all manner of things you could ban from being advertised but i mean like for example i know that it's probably right to say now that fewer people are smoking cigarettes than than there used to be but there was a time say several years after cigarettes were kind of outlawed and it was made you know almost illegal to smoke in almost any place of, of a public nature at all it didn't actually affect the sales of cigarettes for quite a long time no, um, smoking rates were, were pretty flat, actually, yeah. through that whole period when there was a lot of smoke, anti-smoking activity, starting with the smoking ban, but also the ban on uh, you know, vending machines, uh, the graphic warnings, all that kind of stuff came pretty thick and fast. And yet the smoking rate held at about 20%. It was yeah. only really when e-cigarettes came on the scene a few years later that it started to fall um, rather more sharply. So a lot of this stuff just doesn't work. You know, as I say... We, we know what happens pretty much because we've seen a massive reduction in exposure to these kind of adverts and we've seen no reduction in childhood obesity. Mm. I think at the very least, if the government is determined to bring this stuff in, we should ask for some KPIs. We should ask for some criteria of what success looks like. Yeah. And if we haven't seen a drop in obesity or whatever outcome they're looking at in, say, three years' time, they should be repealed. There should yeah. be a sunset clause. But it won't happen. All that will happen is it won't work. People forget about it and they'll be on to the next thing. Uh, they'll be go, well, why are we still allowing this kind of advertising be, you know, after 9pm? Why right. are we allowing it on, um, on billboards or right. in magazines? Yeah. It never ends because there's never an audit of whether this stuff works or not. Right. And also, since most children uh, that I know, certainly mine included, watch YouTube almost all the time, I mean, are they going to outlaw ads on YouTube? Because that's where they're looking. Yes, apparently so. I mean, this is all based on rumours at the moment, we should stress. There's no, mm. there's been no official announcement, but Whitehall sources have told the Financial Times that, uh, yeah, they, they are looking at a total ban on digital advertising for these yeah. products. I know. Incredible, isn't it? Next thing, they'll be sort of peering through your kitchen window to see what you're cooking. Yes, I mean, it never ends. Um, and there's, there's more advertising that's, you know, in the firing line. Gambling advertising is probably going to get the chop at some point. Alcohol advertising is under severe pressure and you know this does have an effect on our media i mean you're you guys you know you're you're a commercial radio station um you know it's not as if there's an endless supply of advertising we're going to come in no. and fill the gap so we won't be able to carry industries so we won't be able to carry any adverts for mcdonald's anymore then if this goes on if it goes on yeah i mean radio would be a natural ex extension of the ban mm. and there's no reason why the ban wouldn't be extended the, the principle has been conceded essentially that these products are too dangerous for children to see mm. And it may, you know, by the same token, too dangerous to hear about, too dangerous to see on a billboard and so on. So I think eventually, if we carry on like this, we'll end up with a tobacco style advertising bag, yeah. which is to say it can't be promoted in any form. It's in plain packaging. It's hidden behind shutters. Yeah. We're talking a few years down the line, of course, but the, you know, that's the direction of travel. And you said this is the fifth prime minister in a row that's kind of got involved in this kind of thing. Why do you think they're so obsessed with it? Because surely you would think, again, without wishing to give them ideas, the best way to tackle childhood obesity uh, is to go into the schools and have them do more PE, which has been severely cut back over the past several years because they haven't got enough PE teachers. 
Yeah, um, there is, I think, more than can be done there. You've got fairly cheap policies like the daily mile, where you get kids just to simply run a mile. Mm. It doesn't require much in the way of equipment or anything like that. Right. Um, and it keeps obviously keeps kids fit. Policies like that would actually, I think, have an effect. Um, but instead, we try and regulate the product. We try and blame everything on food, where in actual fact, in many, many cases, it's the physical inactivity that's the issue. Mm, it is. Uh, but I'll say, this, let me go back to my original question. What, what is it about these types of policies mm. that are so attractive to who you would consider to be otherwise relatively intelligent and relatively non-interventionist type politicians? Well, in the case of Boris, supposedly it's been this kind of deathbed conversion when he was admitted to hospital with coronavirus. Mm. And it is true that obesity is a risk factor for, mm. for coronavirus complications. Um but I think more broadly, politicians uh, are drawn to these kind of policies because they like to feel that they're making a sort of a big national impact on a major national epidemic. Mm. In actual fact, there is no epidemic of childhood obesity. It's a statistical fiction, really. Um, but they like the idea of doing it. They, they, they get plaudits from the right people, um, from you know, the Islington dinner crowd, as well as the public health lobby for a few days at least before the public health lobby comes up with the next set of ultimatums. Mm. And, and it gets some generally po positive coverage. People like being patted on the back by Jamie Oliver and feeling like they're doing <laughs> something. And the fact that these, these policies incur huge costs on various sectors of the economy and don't work is right. really neither here nor there. Well, quite. And as you say, I mean, if the, uh, if the rate of obesity hasn't really changed over the years, the only thing that has changed is the definition of obesity. Like a lot of these politicians, what they like to do is redefine stuff and then that way they can make out that it's more of a problem than it actually is. Well, certainly that's true of childhood obesity. I yeah. mean, the childhood obesity figures are, are just a joke. We, mm. we do not use the international measure of childhood obesity. Um, and we massively overdiagnose the number of children who are uh, over, overweight and obese. Mm. The, the, the figure that the nanny statists always use is that one in three 11 year olds are overweight or obese. Yeah. Well, show me them. Where are they? Yeah, right. I mean, any, anyone who drops their, their child off at school can see that this is just nowhere near the truth. Right. And yet we go along with this in a kind of emperor's new clothes fashion. Yeah. They have these growth charts. I don't know whether you've seen them, Christopher, but my, mm, yeah. my, my schools uh, that, that I've dealt with with my kids over the years, and they have these growth charts. And if your child seems to be on the sort of upper edges of it, they start sending letters to you saying, well, you know, he or she is looking like they're getting a bit bigger than average. And you go, well, you know, do you not understand the way that children grow? Some children grow faster than others. Some children have growth spurts. Some children uh, become taller, bigger, wider, earlier than other people, you know. And they seem to be completely incapable of understanding that. Every year there are thousands upon thousands of parents who are baffled to receive a letter in mm. the post, usually from their school, saying your child is borderline obese yeah. or heavily overweight or yeah. whatever. And it's all based on those growth charts. I'm interested that you've, you've seen them. Those charts just involve somebody putting a line down it and arbitrarily saying, if you're above this line, yeah. the child is obese. And they're, they're based on literally no evidence. Yeah. It's extraordinary. And my, yeah. other, my other issue with the school, that, uh, and I'm sorry to, to keep using my own kids as, a, as an example, but it's the only, the only kids uh, example I can use. Um, they sell in the school where they go uh, these ridiculous, um, you know, very, very fatty chocolate milkshake type drinks. And I keep saying to the, uh, uh, the school, why do, you carry, why do you have that? You spend all day telling the kids to eat healthily and then you sell this stuff in the, in the school canteen, which is about as unhealthy as you can get. Oh, I don't know about that. I'm not sure if my child uh, 
has has a pleasure of being offered uh, those particular ones. I know we we certainly did at school. Yeah. I mean, I took I took shops still a thing at school. I, I Not know. really, it, no, it, no, but, but no, but, but it's worse. I mean, I don't mind if there's a tuck shop as long as we know that it's a tuck shop. But the idea that they spend all day telling you to eat healthily and then you go, "What did you have for lunch?" Oh, I had a Cornish pasty and a YooHoo um, chocolate milkshake, and you go, "Well, that doesn't sound particularly healthy." I mean, I don't really care, but let's not be hypocrites about it. Yeah, it doesn't sound very joined up thinking, but uh, I'm glad that uh, kids still have access to this. <laughs> well, exa- well, exactly right. Well, I mean, the kids still do what they always did do when I was at school, which is that you visit the sweet shop on the way home and buy bucket loads of chocolate. And that's what you do as your child, aren't you? Yeah, and that's another thing that the government could well be looking at, which is restricting uh, fast food outlets uh, to beyond uh, either 200 metres or 400 metres yeah. of schools. If you actually get a ruler out and look at all the schools in London, but in any in any major city, it means you effectively can't open a fast food outlet anywhere, except in you know the middle of the Thames or the middle of Hyde Park. <laughs> I mean, it's it's it, again, it's a really badly thought out idea, yeah. and it's not just these policies are liberal that I oppose them, although I do propose them for that reason. They they're just not practical. I mean, they're going to require so many. Um, exemptions mm. and carve-outs and U-turns. I mean, I'm glad, really, that the government's given itself this problem now because it's going to—they're going to have so many headaches trying to turn these silly ideas into workable legislation. And in the end, they're going to have to give up on a lot of it. Yes. Well, let's hope so. Christopher, great to talk to you. Thanks very much indeed. Christopher Snowden, the head of lifestyle economics at the Institute of Economic Affairs, quite sensibly saying this is a mad idea. It's a totally mad idea. You're not going to stop people going to fast food joints or not eating chocolate just because it's not advertised on television. All you're going to do is you're going to deprive, as he quite rightly said, broadcasting companies from the ability to actually make any money. And guess who that helps? Yeah, that's right. The BBC. This is Talk Radio. Talk Radio. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. We will be talking very shortly uh, to um, Simon Calder, who is, of course, uh, back in Italy. He was talking to us yesterday from Venice. And uh, today uh, he's in a slightly different part of the country. uh, But he's got some updates for us uh, on refunds that you might be having to get. He's got some updates for us on what it is that's going on uh, in the travel insurance business. Um, Emirates is offering free coronavirus travel insurance. Uh, I think a couple of other people are offering that as well. 15 weeks since Flybe collapsed. We'll find out what the latest is uh, on the British Airways front as well. Uh, Simon, today uh, is in a place called Vertini, I think it is, uh, in Italy. Simon, a very good. Uh, afternoon to you welcome well lovely to uh, see you mike and uh, to talk to your lovely listeners and indeed viewers i'm in this uh, beautiful town of uh, bertine as you uh, rightly say it's a lovely tuscan hill town um which is about uh, 45 minutes north of uh, the city of siena yes um which you may have uh, have visited a, a splendid uh, splendid place and um uh, this is just one of countless hilltop towns. Um, most of the people here are just uh, busy 
uh, getting their um, uh, uh, growing their grapes, um, in, indulging tourists, cooking great food, and um, it's a wonderful reminder of traveling at the moment, um, even in these uncertain times, as as we have. Yes, Gus. Well, certainly, uh, you were the most popular man in uh, what I would call Christendom yesterday when you basically uh, showed us all around Venice. Yeah. Uh, particularly uh, poignant was your right. cap- capture of, uh, of, a, of a collision between two boats on one of the canals in Venice, which was brilliant. Ah, uh, so we thought, okay. why not come back to you uh, in, in beautiful Tuscany, where I, w- where I went uh, quite a few years back. I seem to remember I stayed uh, in Pisa, um, which was brilliant. And then um, had a look at the Leaning Tower of Pisa, went to visit Florence, ended up in a place called Luca, I think it was, um, which uh, has a wall. I think it's got a Roman city wall around it. I think the face, I think the FaceTime. Um, had... It is a. Go on. Oh, no, I'm, I'm still here. No, go I'm, on, carry I'm on. I'm still here. I'll keep trying. OK, yeah. Um, Luca, as you rightly, uh, and I'm just actually trying to climb um, even higher in this hill town to uh, get a be- better signal for you. Yes. But um, the, the uh, beautiful city of Lucca is um, absolutely gorgeous. And anybody who goes to Pisa, which um, is the main airport for Tuscany, really should do themselves a favour and um, just go 20 miles or so uh, north from there to the lovely walled city. Um, is that getting better as I as I climb yes. this um, this mountain? Good, good, good. And I can okay. see um, some lovely stone buildings behind you. What is that? Yes. Oh, well, these are just the, um, it is a medieval, uh, that's, that's a sort of castle. I haven't yet been able to explore it, but clearly if I were at the top of it, that would be um, uh, better from everybody's point of view, particularly um, since we have the direct satellite link to um, uh, talk towers. Hmm. So, um, uh, yeah, it's, oh, look, it's um, just... Very, very peaceful, but of course, like so many of these communities, absolutely devoid of um, uh, much going on at yes. all due to the fact that uh, um, it's a tiny village and everybody's gone off to Rome or Milan to uh, make their fortunes. Yes, but, um, I always uh, like, it's, one, it's, it's one of the things that you notice in, in Europe, isn't it? A lot, in fact, whenever you go through lots of different countries in Europe, I always wonder when you drive through the towns where everybody is. Because, you know, it also, yes. in France, it's the same in Germany as well. You know, shuttered up windows, closed doors. You just don't see that many people around. No, and that's partly because, of course, this summer, for reasons we all know, there aren't the uh, number of tourists here. Um, the church is closed. If I were to go in it, I would need to um, uh, be um, wearing a mask. Mm. And there's a lot of uncertainty still among the local people as well, of course, as the um, among the tourists. Uh but it's still, I think, worth the risks. But uh, you know, other people will need to make their own judgments on whether they they believe that is the case too. So um, I'm gonna, I, so I'm going to pause here just because I'm slightly. Uh, I, I think um, I'm about as high as I can get without yes. actually uh, um, uh, calling in the. Uh, the talk helicopter but, um, <laughs> absolutely yeah, well tell us good. about some of the news today in the travel business i understand uh, emirates is now offering free coronas coronavirus travel insurance what does that entail okay well look this is a tricky old um, uh, issue because uh, emirates has done a, a bold thing which is basically just say right just suppose you buy a flight for us and then you turn up and you find yourself um, in that, that you're diagnosed very sadly with covid19 
Um, and you need either to be quarantined or you need real medical treatment. Well, we will be able to pay for that for you. No need to fill in any forms in advance. This just comes with any ticket that you buy for travel before the end of October. Um, uh, medical expenses up to £135,000. Um, funeral expenses, sorry to say, £1,350,000. And crucially, €100 Euros a day, so that's about uh, 90 quid, which will pay for you and indeed a companion if you are told, right, Mike, you, we, we don't like, uh, we think that you're coronavirus positive, so you've got to quarantine. However, um, that's, that's all good and it increases confidence for travellers, but in the small print, which um, sadly I should get out more, but I trawled through, it says, oh, by the way, this doesn't apply to anywhere that the Foreign Office advises against travel mm. to which would include, for example, Dubai, right. the um, hub of Emirates. So, uh, yeah, a tricky old um, issue, but uh, I think we will um, perhaps see more companies doing that sort of thing because, frankly, they they believe that it's the only way they're going to drum up um, custom. And yes. with many insurance policies now saying, we're not covering you for anything to do with um, coronavirus, um, that is, I think, what... Uh, uh, what we are going to see more of. No, of course. I'm just looking now at a bit of breaking news where it says the list of countries in travel corridors is now going to be updated weekly instead of once every three weeks. So presumably, um, if the if the, the, the travel corridor story changes um, on the Foreign and Commonwealth uh, Office website, then that would mean you'd be covered by that insurance policy. Uh, it, right. If it did, right, unfortunately, there's two naughty lists, Mike. It's, it's more, more complicated than, than that. Um, so there is the Foreign Office uh, naughty list, which comprises about, it, it says don't go anywhere ever, um, but there's about uh, 50 countries which we think are all right, um, none of them being the United Arab Emirates. Um, and the Department for Transport's um, don't need to quarantine list is a different naughty list. And um, the UAE is also on that one. But you would need, in order for the insurance to work for you, you would need the Foreign Office to change its mind. And these lists are different. They were compiled at the same time, but they are very significantly different. Um, the best example is the two beautiful French Caribbean islands of Guadeloupe and yes. Martinique. Mm. Um, and if there's, uh, from memory, Guadeloupe is fine, Martinique isn't. Right. The Department for Transport says Martinique is fine, Guadeloupe isn't. Um, so make of that what you will. Well, that's a bit tricky uh, then, isn't and, it? Because that's quite important well, if you need to get the insurance cover. Uh, yes, of course it is. But but um, it, what I imagine they've, they've put out, and forgive me because I'm here talking to you, I haven't seen the, the release. If they haven't put out a new list, then all they're saying is really what should have happened anyway, which is um, you know, as and when there's a good reason to change the list, we'll change it. Yes. And um, there are so many countries with... Portugal absolutely at the top saying it is ridiculous that we're on the naughty list okay. um, for the quarantine thing and indeed for the Foreign Office as well, apart from the islands of the Azores and Madeira. Yes, absolutely. Well, hopefully that changes soon as well. Um, I don't know if you've heard of a company called Travel Republic, but I've had a, a request from uh, a listener called Jason uh, who said, is there any chance you could ask Simon about Travel Republic? Apparently they've been ignoring their customers, he says, for weeks and months. People can never get through. They don't respond to calls. They don't respond to emails or DMs. My son and his mates uh, have been messed about royally and haven't even reached Magaluf yet. I don't know quite what his circumstances yeah. are, but is there a problem with Travel Republic? 
look, there's a problem with the whole travel industry. Um, now, Travel Republic is, is an online travel agent, but actually it's one of the better online travel agents. They have more of a kind of... Um, uh, they, they generally have better customer service. Mm. But in this whole horrible business, Mike, you've got great companies like Virgin, have been absolutely useless mm. at communicating with their um, uh, their customers. Yeah. And, of course, the government's just sort of started saying, oh, look, you really, really should do the right thing by your by your uh, customers. But until um, the, there's actually some, uh, uh, some, some legal steps, then basically they're just saying, well, yeah, we're doing the best we can. We know it's not great mm. and we're sorry. But, uh, yeah, we'll get round to you when we can. Um, my lockdown refund bingo is continuing with a number of uh, companies, um, including one online travel agent, for a um, flight cancelled right at the start of the uh, coronavirus crisis. So that was uh, you know, getting on for um, four and a half months ago now. So, um, yeah, I would I would say that uh, uh, to your excellent uh, listener, Jason, um, <laughs> it's awful. But it's, it's pretty much exactly what the government would say or anybody else would say or the travel industry would say, which is please be patient. And um, Jason would be quite reasonably uh, able to reply. But hang on. Um, you know, you've, I've lent you money um, or yes. my son's lent you money for months. Um, you're not talking to us. This is absolutely terrible. And all I can say is that once all this is over, I will be assessing who did well and who didn't. And um, obviously... Uh, uh, people will make up their own minds about whether they um, uh, what, what they uh, want to do with their spending money yes. in the future. Some companies have been great, uh, many have been less than great, but you've got to feel some sympathy for them because, my goodness me, no uh, no industry has suffered as much as the uh, poor old travel industry, and it simply isn't cut out for this. It's the industry of human happiness. Um, it's absolutely miserable at the moment, and. Um, the whole kind of house of cars on which travel was built where, you know, as we've been discussing, you know, you pay your money. Um, uh, I, I pay my money for my trip in six months time and they use it to pay their supplies for your holiday next week. So uh, right old muddle sums it up, which yes. is much help to um, Jason. But all I can say is that there's many, many other people in the same position as his son. Yes, that's unfortunate. The other thing I'm hearing quite a lot of, Simon, is that many people who are now actually venturing out and travelling are finding that their plane reservations and their even their sort of boarding situations are changing sort of by the week because it seems as though some companies are changing the flight times of, of flights that you've booked simply presumably because they maybe don't want to fly quite as many planes as they scheduled to do. Yep. Um, and they can presumably quite uh, are quite within their rights to do that. No, they're not. And that's really, really annoying. And I'm, I'm particularly cross. I have been cross with um, EasyJet, biggest yeah. budget airline in Britain. And they were doing some absolutely outrageous things. They were saying, Mike, you were booked to fly from Gatwick to um, Amsterdam on yeah. the uh, uh, 25th of July. Um, your flight is now from Luton to Amsterdam on the 26th. Oh, but it hasn't been cancelled. Um, right. And I had to point out to them that, yes, it had been cancelled and that they had to refund money right. um it's there's nothing wrong with airlines giving you a couple of weeks notices and cancelling flights but when that happens they are obliged to give you first of all a full refund mm. and that includes a return flight even if that's still operating or if you prefer it a um a, a full 
buying you a flight on another airline. Right. And that's something they quite often forget to remind you of. Okay. They'll often say, you know, I'll have a voucher for a future travel on us. Whereas you could say, no, actually, I do want to go um, from London to Malaga on that particular date. And you've got to sort me out a flight and you've got to pay for it. And you know that that's what the rules say. Right. I've got a, a message for you here from Les, uh, who says, please tell Simon Calder that if he gives my friend Franco Reaper a call, he can lend him yeah. his rare Vespa to go sightseeing ah. around the Tuscan vineyards and crucifixion sites. <laughs> oh, my goodness me. I, I, well, that's exciting. I didn't know there was many crucifixions going on here. But um, you, you never know what you're going to What a very, very kind offer. Yes. Of well, it's, it's on oh, Twitter and, and you're, you're in the tweet, so you can find it, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, oh, if how you, lovely. If, Thank if you. If you decide to do such a thing. Well, um, what a very generous offer. Now, it's also um, 15 weeks since Flybee collapsed. What's happened to all yes. their planes? Have they been sold off yet? Right. Well, the planes, some of them are um, uh, still, I think, Glasgow Airport. I was there uh, quite recently. is still sitting around there. Uh, one of them um, in Aberdeen actually went off on its own and, and biffed another <laughs> plane, right. um, which was um, which was quite awkward. Um, but most of the planes just get brought, taken back by the leasing company that owns them. However, news about um, many of their links being restored, mm. at least in and out of Belfast City, because previously uh, Northern Ireland, in particular Belfast, absolutely depended on Flybe for air connections. Um, and uh, so when they went, you know, they, they, it was all a bit um, uh, looking all a bit lost. But now um, Stobart Air, which is part of the uh, Stobart Group, um, is flying on behalf of Aer Lingus Regional. Do pay attention, Mike. There'll be a test afterwards. OK. Um, and it's going to be going from um, uh, Belfast to Edinburgh, to uh, Exeter, to Leeds, Bradford, to East Midlands. And a couple of other delightful points, which will help to restore a lot of the connectivity, because otherwise it was looking pretty bleak. No, yeah, the U Northern Ireland absolutely depends on air transport in a way that uh, other parts of the UK do not. Quite. And uh, you you are very valiantly doing your bit for sort of world tourism, so I'm very uh, grateful. I'm sure <laughs> lots of people are. Where are you off to uh, after this? Uh, right, um, well, I, I, I may be riding around crucifixion sites in, <laughs> in, on a Vespa, but if that doesn't happen, then I'm uh, heading off to uh, Siena tomorrow. Very nice. Um, which is, uh, I hope, uh, going to be lovely. Um, and I'm flying actually eventually back from Pisa, so I may, I may go to Luca and um, uh, have another look at another uh, Luca. Luca. Very yeah. good. I like it. Well, uh, very good. Yeah, so, uh, well, a very good uh, note here. on which to end it. I had my favourite dish there, uh, which is that fantastic. Uh, uh, spaghetti um, aglia you know the one with just garlic and olive oil which is amazing absolutely amazing but well recommended to try Simon Calder another magnificent report uh, from the hills of Tuscany uh, and a place uh, which of course is pronounced Vertine uh, in Italy not far from Pisa not far from uh, Siena as well if you've been there you'll know how great it is Mid-Morning with Mike Graham Talk Radio The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio it's 12.45, it's Friday, and it's time for this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Perrier Awards. I 
really wish we had a camera looking in there. I tell you what, I keep saying this, but we need to get a camera on them, I think. Because we have one. It looks what? great. It um, looks really good. I can't hear my... Oh, there you, oh, there you go. go. Was the mic off? There's already a Is this a live incompetence live report? Incompetence is that report. what this is? Yeah, it's a break, oh, dear, oh, dear. breaking news. Well, I was I was trying to say, uh, you know, before, uh, you know, one Mike forgot to put the fader up, yes. that uh, there's actually a camera in there. Is there? It's just not connected to anything with him. But okay. the other day, it just started moving. Oh, really? It just started like, and he started like zooming in on us. That's and, a bit weird. And, yes. Maybe it's the like, H, is that the HR camera? Well. Huh? Somebody watching could, you. Couldn't possibly say. Well, listen. Couldn't possibly say. You You've had a haircut, haven't you? I had a haircut. Thank you very much for noticing. Looks great. Some people don't think it's much of a haircut. I got a lot of abuse mm. last night. I put a picture oh, no. out on Twitter, right? Yeah. Which has now been seen by 134,000 people. That's good. Um, and almost all of them were giving me a hard time. Aww. I mean, who does that? People with no lives. Yeah, really. Do that. And also and, uh, they, they were suggesting well. that it didn't look... I mean, you should have seen my... I mean, I, if I show you the before picture mm. when I'm sitting in the in the, in the the barber's chair, I mean, it literally looks ridiculous. Don't worry, I saw you yesterday yeah. well, when I you know. left. <laughs> yeah, well, that was why I looked I looked at the mirror in the lift and I thought, I really should try and get this haircut yeah, done. Yeah. And then I didn't... And I said to the guy, um, how long have you been open for? And he said, three weeks. Oh, gosh. So it's been three weeks. I could have gone, but yes. I didn't because I didn't want to queue up. No, of course. So when I went yesterday, there was nobody in the place. And so it was That's fine. That's good. That's good. And I also got a um, a hot towel uh, scenario on the face, which was nice. What do you mean scenario? Well, they put a hot towel and they wrap <laughs> it around you, you know. I don't know okay. what you call it. I, hot I don't towel know. treatment. I've, I've never had a hot towel put no? on my face. It's no, it's really we don't nice. Do that. It relaxes you. Okay. It makes you feel like, you know, does your skin wonders. And so oh, I, that's nice. I came out feeling very pampered. Well done. And I thought, this is what I've been missing. Well, I'm happy so to hear So thank you for that. noticing. We all need a little bit of pampering. We do. I think so. Again, we? Well, that's what we've missed mm. over time. Yeah. You know. I haven't been to the hairdressers yet. You've done your own though, because you're do, clever. Because I, well, no, I'm just, I'm just. Uh, but you have some experience in the hair. Area. Yes, because I, I obviously this is not my natural hair color. Well, is it? Uh, no, oh, okay. no, it's not. Mine's like, look, Darker. dark, dark right. brownish. Okay. Apologies to the listeners for Sorry. this conversation. Yeah. You don't care, but yeah. I'm going to tell it anyway. Tell it anyway. Uh, so yeah, so I've been doing my roots since like early March because okay. the contrast is like so huge between right. natural hair and what I have got. Well, I know lots of I just, women I had were, no choice. Uh, lots of women were sort of complaining that they mm. needed to get to the hairdressers more than anything else. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And the, and, the, and the nail bar. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. So everything's getting back to normal slowly. Thank but surely. Thank goodness. And um, speaking of getting back to normal. Yes. Uh, good afternoon. Welcome. And welcome to the Perry Awards. Thank you very much indeed. Um, this is where we look back over the past week of the so-called, so-called. Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio and choose our favourite moments. Yes. And as it's tradition, Mike, the, f- mm. the first Perry goes to you. Excellent. And it's the idea of the week. If we are going to be reconstructing London, for example, and half of what I'm looking at out the window here is going to be unoccupied, what are we going to do with it? You make it into social housing if you want. Make it into some kind of, you know, 55-floor disco if you like. I don't know. You need to do something with it. You can't leave it empty. 55-floor <laughs> disco? That doesn't sound like a good idea. It doesn't sound like a good idea at all. Although you could have different music on every floor, I suppose, to do it that way. Uh, yeah, but then you would have to find, like, 55 different kinds of music. That's true. Yeah. yeah. That's I've once, a lot of I once went to a party in New York where they had... Um, did you used to live five. in New York by I any did. chance? Yeah, I did. Uh, five different types. They had a, a, a they had a sort of a jazz band on one yeah. floor. They had a 
you know, like a, a disco on another floor. They had a chamber orchestra on another floor. Oh, that's cool. This was nice. This was a New Year's Eve party. I used to go to a place called the um, University Club. Oh, that's and nice. And it was very good. Um, and that's you'd nice. pay like loads of money and there'd be people walking cool. around with food and drink and you didn't have to buy anything on the night. It was good. That's cool. But I don't like the 55 I- floors. No. I don't think that's a bad let's idea. Well, let's rephrase it. The bad idea. It's a bad the idea, week, yes. Um, speaking of property, property expert in front of the show, Russell Quirk, wins at Perry for the explanation of mm. the week. There's a reason that planning is called planning, mm. and that's because it needs to be planned. <laughs> well done, Russell. Top man. Thank you. Thank yes. you. I mean, self-explanatory, is, really. Well, I mean, you know, sometimes you have to explain these things. You've got to, yeah. Um, Peter Hitchens, made on Sunday columnist, yes. uh, Monday uh, morning, mm. uh, regular contributor to the show, wins a Perry this week for the surprise ambulance of the week. There will have to be something that happens, some tipping point, something uh, which forces the government to change its its way. Well, is it, no, it's phone ringing. No, it's an ambulance. Are you sure? Yeah, really? it was on the street. Yeah. Okay, That's I thought it was a, like a home phone ringing or something. No, it was an I'm ambulance. I'm not sure about that. Well, it's mm. just because you're not used to chasing ambulances. No, no, I don't do that. But you know, some uh, there are do. some who do. Some people. Yeah. Do that. <laughs> but, Mentioning know. no names. Um, and speaking, and um, you know, from the ambulance of the week yes. to Christine Jardine, Lib Dem MP, who yes. wins the surprise dog of the week. Northern Ireland. We talked about the border in the middle of the sea. You know, nobody's actually said, well, where would the border be? Sounds like a small dog. It's, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, none of this is. Uh, all of this is stopped by Angela Levin today. Yes, of course. And the, uh, I that did came not have in a time. bit late, I suppose. It did. So uh, it, it was too late for submission. However, we do appreciate. I'm going to give her like an honorary. Maybe we could put it in for next week. I could. Yeah. Because it's worth listening to. Yeah. You know it's, the knocking. Was, I was in there. The like, bell. Oh my god. It was the fishmonger apparently. It was the fishmonger. <laughs> yeah. She very kindly emailed us after yes. she'd um, come very there good. to apologise, which I was like, again, you don't need to apologise. No. Uh, but yeah, that was very very. These things amusing. happen. You know. These things happen. It's live course. radio. Yeah, and, and that's television. what we like. It is. Juliet Hallibur is, bre- uh, is not on breakfast. No. She's on holiday. She's basically. back on Monday, though. She's back on Monday. Yeah. Well done. And um, Alicia Stewart has been uh, keeping the seat warm for her. Yes. And he wins an award for the honest moment of the week. Um, you're listening to Alastair Stewart here on Talk Radio. Talk Radio Breakfast with Alastair Stewart in for Julia Hartley Brewer on Talk Radio. Uh, well, I'm... <laughs> I... Sorry, I'm, I'm. Am I talking to Ian or am I talking to Digby? I don't know. Don't know. Right. I'm sorry. It, I, I apologise profusely. I've always believed in being totally honest with you. I was handed a piece of paper a little uh, earlier saying I'd be talking to the great Ian Duncan Smith a little bit mm. later on, and I wondered if it was now, but it's not. It's Lord Digby Jones. There we are. Right. I'm glad we sorted that one out then. Yes. Thank you Let very much. Done. Bad production. Yes. Terrible. That's what I'm saying. That, Incompetent this, producers. This would never happen on this not show. Not on this show. No. I have to not. say. Uh, Alistair Stewart, he also wins the James Larvin Perrin Award for technical problems. Uh, and, and that was the Tory attack line. They simply can't do that now. <laughs> have we lost Woody? <laughs> yeah. Oh, we've lost Woody for the moment. We're gonna, we'll, we'll, we'll try and get back to him. Um, because I know that he will on. be there and he'll Maybe. want to come in uh, on that. Uh, Is that Woody Harrelson? Uh, have we got him? It's David Wooding. Uh, oh, good. I, I'm going to talk to Eric while we while we reconnect with uh, with David Wooding. Bless. <laughs> Sorry. Bless. Sorry, Alistair. I mean, but it's very love. funny, though. That's yeah, great. It's really funny. I thought maybe you know. it was Woody, the US ambassador Woody. No. Woody? Oh, Woody Johnson. Yeah. 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 
Or um, Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson. No, it's David Woody. David Woody. David Woody. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, another one for you, Mike. Thank you. Congratulations. Earlier in the week, you spoke to former royal editor of the Sun, Charles Ray, mm. and you won the award for the question of the week. Apparently, they interfered in the by-election in Stoke. Do you think that was a mistake? Somebody spelt something wrong. They didn't mean to go to Stoke. I mean, we know, nothing against Stoke, but why would the Russians want to interfere in the Stoke by-election? Maybe Charlie Ray would know the answer to that. Charlie, very good morning to you. Hi, good morning. I have no idea, mate. I've only ever been to Stoke three or four days. <laughs> Listen, I wasn't expecting you to provide me with the answer. It's all right. It's true. It is true. I thought I might ask him just in case. Yeah, you never know. You never know. You never know, but um, he did not have the answer. No. Unfortunately, um, I'm going to race for this because I'm so late. I am so sorry. Um, Caller Robert in Dulwich wins the weirdest start to a conversation. Hello, Robert. Hello, Robert. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes, I can now. Yes, go ahead. Oh, yes. Well, nice to speak to you again. Yes, indeed. And thank you both for the Republic of... Hang on. Mike Graham, yeah, yes. he's a Republic of Mike Graham. Isn't it yeah. is. Thank God he didn't get that wrong. Yeah, it's always good to know which show you're calling into. There's only one Republic. Into. Yes, exactly. There isn't any, it's not like there's an independent Republic of anybody else. No. On the no. radio, anyway. No, exactly. Hope so. Well done, Robert. Well done. And caller Mike in Hemel Hempstead mm. wins the Confused Caller of the Week. Hello, Mike. Hi, good evening. Good afternoon. Good, good afternoon. Well, good evening, good afternoon. You've done the whole lot now. I know you've yeah, confused me. It's like that Jim uh, Carrey movie, isn't it? Yes, uh, Truman Show. Yeah, the Truman Show. Truman good morning, Show. good evening, good afternoon, yeah, good night. Good night, and kisses on see you, yeah. all that stuff. Simon Calder, we've had him today, we had him yesterday. Yes. He's a legend, I love him. Yes. Uh, I want to go on holiday with him. Yeah. You know, just going to say it. He films everything, already. though. He films everything, and yeah. yesterday he gave us a tour of Venice, and he kindly provided us with the Perry Award for the crash of the week. Uh, is it an actual river? I don't know. You've got river specialists who will be able to tell you that. Well, do you oh, remember? Crikey. And we've seen our first collision. <laughs> oh, Did good. You see that? Goodness yeah. me! Listen, you might have to be a witness to that. You I better, mean, you better get uh, your. Well, uh, we got it all on better, camera. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. He said it as though he was commenting on the uh, Formula One, like he was you would great. expect a. Co- you don't expect a collision, do you? Walking no, of around course Venice. not. Um, and by the way, the collision was not serious. No. If there were, were no injuries, YouTube, you apparently. You would see that he Nobody was a sank. very minor. No, no. It's not a Titanic, is no. it? No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm so tired. I don't know. And as part of that same conversation, you won a Perry for the careers expert of the week. I'm very much enjoying this virtual tour of Venice, Simon. I must say, ah. I didn't realise not only are you a very talented uh, writer and journalist, <laughs> but you could also double uh, as a courier. Why not? <laughs> a travel courier, I meant. <laughs> you did. Yeah. Not like a guy that just delivers stuff. You did. Yes. Did. I might have clipped that uh, before I had to just to provide um, some comedy out Thank of context. Thank you. Very good. Out of context. <laughs> and, is finally, good. and finally, uh, you win a Perry Award for being so surprised when things go right. 0344 499 1000. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, on the fastest growing radio station on the planet. It is, of course, Talk Radio. That's just brilliant, isn't it? I mean, how do I do that? I don't even know how I do that. <laughs> That's the magic of it, isn't it? It is incredible, that. I was, I was quite genuinely shocked. We really enjoy that one yes. in the control room. Yes, very good. Because we tend to, you know, when we get to the Because I don't know where that, where that ends. I don't no. know where it ends. No. So when it does happen like that, it's a great uh, joy. It's beautiful. It We're is. all very happy. Thank you. Um, anyway, I'm very late, so I'm just going to say thank you, Mike. Thank you. And that's all for the Perry Awards. There'll Ana- be more. Another great week. The Perrier Awards on Talk Radio. Talk Radio across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.
If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio.